Life is a series of challenges, paths to walk, rivers to cross, and mountains to climb. It takes strength, perseverance, and the endurance to keep going. Spokane Endurance Academy is a new face in the Inland Northwest training scene, ready and excited to help you make a difference in your life. Offering everything from specialized workout plans to field testing, defined intensity training, and progress analysis. At Spokane Endurance Academy, your goals are their goals. Check them out on Facebook at Spokane Endurance Academy LLC, on their website, SpokaneEnduranceAcademy.com, or call now at 208-889-9278. This episode is sponsored by Autoclore System. For over 80 years, Autoclore System has led the industry with its patented low-temp dishwasher. Using only one gallon of water and reusing all chemical containers, Autoclore System gets the job done right. With a full cleaning product line and an arsenal of EPA-registered disinfectants, Autoclore System is here to help you combat COVID-19. Autoclore System offers affordable, cost-saving, and environmentally friendly solutions for all of your restaurant and hospitality needs. Autoclore System dishwashers include chemicals, service, parts, and 24-hour, 7-day-a-week emergency service. For more information, visit autoclore.com, their Facebook page, or call now at 509-368-9368. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Sacred Flesh, a beauty podcast with a ghostly twist. My name is Lee Wick. I am the owner of Vanity Makeup and Skin, which is a downtown uh, beauty spa, intimate day spa located in downtown Spokane, Washington. Joining you today from Speak Studios, Spokane. And this is episode two of my podcast for The Sacred Flesh. Um, The Sacred Flesh is my brainchild, which is essentially something, a platform for me to talk about um, all of things relevant to my industry with regard to the beauty industry. But it also is a platform for me to talk about some of my unique weirdness um, and the intuitive gifts that I've kind of had throughout my whole life that I've never really... um, been vocal about, but I've always had. And it's something that I've hidden for a long time, many years, decades, because um, people get a little weirded out by that. And it's getting to a certain point in my age that I just um, don't really have to validate myself to anyone. So it is what it is. And I am freaking fabulous. So that's where I'll leave it. Today's episode, we are going to be discussing, it's called Cleansing Through Time, and it is um, a look at the historical relevance to cleansing. But first, I want to recap a little bit about last week. Um, Last week, we talked about the history of the vanity, and obviously with my business being called Vanity Makeup and Skin, Um, The vanity is really important to me, and not only as a word, um, which has got a lot of significance from a biblical sense and a lot of significance from a historical um, attitude, but uh, vanity, the vanity, was a very, very, very sentimental piece of furniture passed down to me from my grandmother, Noakes, who um, is with me every day even though she's passed on. And 
We talked last week about her and about my great-grandmother Irene and how I look so much like her and the history of the mirror and how the mirror really isn't referenced um, very much in the uh, Bible as compared to the uh, word vanity with seven deadly sins and how I challenged people to kind of think about vanity instead of it being a negative word with you being high maintenance and, oh, you're so vain and you know, all that kind of horseshit, you essentially think about not being and, and discipline your spirit to not be vain in spirit. You can still be vain um, and take part in uh, the beauty industry that I love. And it doesn't mean that you are a sell, selling your soul because you are um, enjoying a beauty product that may be trendy. So, uh, that is the recap for last week. I will. I did challenge my listeners essentially to talk to yourselves nicely in the mirror, and I really struggle with this because I, I give a lot of myself to my clients, and I tell them all the time how wonderful and sacred and how beautiful they are and what makes them unique, and I try to really breathe life into people. And at the same time, I got Invisalign, last or about two weeks ago and Invisalign is braces and here I'm in a wheelchair and I've got um, this body that betrays me constantly and my smile has never really done me wrong so why the hell should I care if my teeth are crooked but oh no I just used to judge people that would get braces as adults thinking that they were so vain and ridiculous and now I'm like the dentist says well we can get you Invisalign would you like it and I said absolutely sign me up so now I'm learning how to, um, <laughs> I re- didn't realize what a commitment Invisalign was, and I didn't realize, I'm glad I didn't realize the pain in the ass factor of the whole thing, or I would have never done it, because I do like my comforts, and I do like to eat, but I will tell you, it's going to be an excellent weight loss program um, on accident, because I will not be snacking as much because it's horrifically disgusting to take out your Invisalign and put it, I feel like a 14-year-old awkward person at a uh, junior high dance. So pulling out my retainer and putting it in my back pocket. So I realized last week that I had to really talk to myself more kindly and um, just, I mean, I, I impulsively chose to get Invisalign for a reason there. My spirit obviously wanted straighter teeth, whatever. So we're going for it. Um, so today, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking about cleansing and I am a 50 year old female. Um, I own, like I said, vanity makeup and skin. And I always get asked how I, um, look so young without having to, any prior history of doing Botox or fillers or whatnot. And the reality is, is that I do enjoy a 75 step beauty ritual every night. So that's, if you own the equipment and you own the uh, products, you may as well revel in that and go for it. But my own routine, I consists of cleansing, exfoliating, um, masking, the use of tools, serums. I moisturize, use oils, I use SPF. Um, I do all those things prior to putting on cosmetics. Now, the days of COVID have made um, wearing, you know, a facial covering necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So it's kind of really changed the way our industry even looks at beauty and really looks at um, everything is above the the nose. Our our mouth and our, our nose are covered. So it's really 
changed. We've found a lot of people are wearing less makeup. Lipstick is really not a huge seller in um, in certain areas uh, on cosmetics counters. Everything is just kind of shifted to accommodate the skin that's exposed to the public. So cleansing then becomes super important. It's always important, but we're going to kind of talk about and dissect the history of cleansing as a routine and cleansing just as part of a um, necessary step for humans to take care of, and all animals actually, every animal cleans itself for hygiene and for protection, and we're going to talk about the history of cleansing and cleansers. So I'm just going to kind of dive in. I don't have a guest with me today. Um, Eventually, when I'm able to um, get into the swing of things and not be so awkward in my podcasting abilities, I will bring guests in and we can talk about um, things, all things, witchy and beauty and, and, and uh, alchemy and metaphysical is in the new age, which is becoming very trendy. And those of us that are multi-generational um, ancient wisdom has been passed down in my family it's very it's a it's a it's a wild time to kind of watch all of this um intuitiveness be celebrated which is so cool so i'm not i'm not um shaming the progress there but we as a 50 year old um who's been able to walk past somebody you know in a store and see who they're being accompanied by or going parking next to a cemetery and not and forgetting where you are because you want to go into the cemetery it's that's been my life my whole life and it's something that you don't talk about so that is kind of interesting for me to kind of watch all these and I wonder how many are fake and I wonder how many are posers and how many really if you um it's not always fun to get talked to by the dead and so eventually my podcast is going to be much more um, witchy, but for now I'm going to really kind of stick to the uh, beauty uh, aspect of cleansing for this routine because I haven't in the last couple of weeks had a lot of activity from the other side and I would never be inauthentic and make anything up. And at the end of the day, being a 50-year-old business owner in Washington State, um, also female, also disabled uh, in a downtown area, that's got enough excitement. I don't really need to add a bunch of ghosts and dead people to the mix. So right now we're just going to focus on cleansing. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, cleansing and the history of cleansers dates back to the beginning of the human race uh, with differences being in the ritual itself and as advancements have happened over time in different civilizations. In the earliest times, cleansing was done by using pieces of bone to scrape the skin, which if you think about it is literally the earliest forms of exfoliation, which people pay me $135 to scrape their skin now with uh, microdermabrasion and with gua sha stones, lots of those things. But uh, back at the beginning of earliest times, pieces of bone were used to scrape the dead skin and remove dirt and debris and bacteria and, and certain things. As uh, later civilizations advanced, they started using plant-based materials mixed with water for cleansing. And that um, was obviously a great discovery because we still use water a lot for cleansing today. 
ancient Egyptians made a soap paste out of clay and olive oil to cleanse their skin. Ancient Greeks made their own cleansing creams, and they were widely um, using cleansing treatments by mixing fresh berries with milk as a paste and using it on as a mask. So if you think about that just alone, the history with the lactic acid that we have today, um, using uh, milk and as a and making berry a berry paste with milk would literally be an antioxidant lactic treatment that I would call that today. Um, lactic peels are something that's very popular in uh, treatment room and antioxidants, especially with the the antioxidant rich berries like acai and and um, raspberries and and grapes and those kinds of things that have a, a high level of antioxidants. That's why they use the berries. In addition to the vitamin C for brightening and for the lactic acid helps to brighten, remove skin impurities and helps the skin gently slough off the dead uh, particles. So of course the Greeks did the most before any of us were even alive um, in medieval times, there were ointments contained finally of animal fats, um, but using animal fats for cleansing, and they were mixed with aloe vera, rosemary, and cucumbers, and they actually used vinegar um, just as an astringent or a toner. So this is a kind of interesting jump between a um, milk, which is an animal product, obviously, and, and berries, to the actual fat of the animal itself, but for cleansing. And then mixing it with the fresh herbs and the water-based materials kind of would give it that um, necessary so that it would emulsify and cleanse the skin. And then the astringent with vinegar is really cool because of the pH level that vinegar contains, and that would help them regulate um, their microbiome on the outside of the skin when they're exposed to all sorts of elements as earliest man would hunt and be exposed to the sun all the time and the cold, etc. Um, in the Renaissance age, people used actually silver and mercury and lead. And this is when things kind of started getting a little toxic, obviously, but we would uh, use broomsticks for uh, dry brushing, and we would brush the mercury and the lead into our skin. That would cause a lot of allergic reactions, obviously. So then to calm the allergic reactions, they would boil oatmeal and vinegar, and then they would use the oatmeal vinegar baths, and then they would do something which I thought was really, really cool when I researched this. They would soak pieces of dense bread in rose water, and they would use that to uh, reduce puffiness on their skin and their eyes, which I think is just so badass. I mean, we do that today, not with bread, but for, with little collagen pads, and we do rose water spritz and everything. I mean, this, we are not, we, what we call progression is actually really related to a lot of ancient days. And I think acknowledging that is extremely cool. In the Baroque era, the belief um, in saunas and sweat cleansing was starting to gain popularity. And if you have been to Vanity Makeup and Skin, you know that I'm a big proponent of light therapy and sweat therapy. I believe that sweat removes a ton of toxins in the body. I have an infrared sauna in my spa that is extremely popular for a quick uh, 
water reduction. So it is uh, red carpet weight. So it's really popular with my brides who come in and want to drop, you can drop 600 calories in one hour and um, you might pass out in the parking lot, but you'll eat something and be fine. So it's like you, you need your dress fitted, you come on in, we, we've got you covered. Um, but I found it really cool that the Baroque era was who really kind of uh, developed and celebrated the idea of sweat cleansing for removal of toxins and skincare, which is very, very cool. After the um, Baroque era, uh, civilization would use the cleansing, the sweat cleansing. They would go right into a big uh, tub of milk. So again, that lactic acid has a real uh, relevance in history for the beauty ritual from the beginning of time. Um, In the 1800s, there was the development of zinc as a chemical, and zinc was used as a brightener in the 1800s, a skin brightener. But obviously, it it did cause a lot of allergic reactions then as well. And it was during this time that uh, were also advanced the Vaseline was discovered and um, Vaseline and zinc were both used in the past as cleansers in addition to moisturizers, which if you think about what Vaseline does, it's a moisture barrier. So that would have been a crazy time for skin with regard to allergic reactions. And to combat some of those allergic reactions, people used egg whites and lemon juice and honey and oatmeal um, to calm those down and for various ways of removing sun damage and exfoliating dead skin, etc. In the 1900s, there was an explosion of skincare. Um, Estee Lauder was founded in 1946 in New York City. Um, obviously, if, who, everybody who knows me knows that I worked for Estee Lauder. She was the motherboard. Um, I started the MAC cosmetic store in Tri-Cities in 2003 when Tri-Cities was not re- ready at all for a MAC store. It was literally looked at like we were all drag queens and strippers, and I was there for it, and it was awesome. And uh, Estee Lauder purchased MAC, and so she was... That company itself was the mother company. Um, Estee Lauder is a a brand founded, like I just said, in 1946 in New York City. And that obviously developed a lot of um, more widely used mix of skincare in addition to cosmetics. And then sunscreen was invented a couple years prior in 1944. And that was a hugely relevant time period in the beauty industry because of the advancements in the development of sunscreen. Even though zinc, which is used in sunscreen now, was developed in the 1800s, it it took quite a while for them to, you know, discover that that could be utilized as a sun barrier and protection um, for the skin in that way. In the 2000s, we started getting real vain, where the, uh, 2002 Botox was approved by the FDA and improved was used to improve frown lines, and it just continues with fillers and all advances in all aspects of the beauty industry today as we kind of move toward 
the more Medispa experience in our quest for immortality and to stop the signs of aging on our outward bodies. Vanity does something a little bit different as a business. I am not a um, Medispa, nor will I be a Medispa, even though I'm very vain and my results are uh, treatment results driven treatments that are very quick and expensive and they'll give you good results. Um, so I don't, I don't, I've never been able to have Botox because of my medical issues. So I've never really entertained that thought. And I tend to attract the underrepresented client that is fundamentally against the more invasive, um, procedures. So as an entire, uh, thought process, as my thought process grew, my clientele grew, and I realized that I truly am representing an underrepresented demographic of people whose beauty dollar is just as relevant. And I do find after being in the beauty industry for over 20 years that the, the, the pendulum is coming back around to the quest for more non-invasive options. And I really attribute that to the um, sort of everyone is looking the same now. Everybody has the same lips. Everybody has the same brows. Everybody has the same cheekbones. Because of fillers, you lose a lot of your authenticity in the shape of your face and your bone structure. When you start, you know, poking around and altering, which they now are putting pressure under on, uh, you know, 22-year-olds for preservation, which is such bullshit. I just don't subscribe to that level of debacle at all I feel like a tw- what does a 22 year old need to preserve other than um, uh, they're beautiful they've got the most the beautiful most beautiful skin they're ever going to have in their life and adding a toxin to it despite how it is um, marketed in a pharmaceutically driven society is just I feel like it's very wrong on many levels so as a philosophy I have not done injection parties. I think that's bullshit. I think um, vitamin B shots should be saved for an actual, um, you know, medical clinic where they actually can really control sanitation. You shouldn't have to go to a salon and get a vitamin B shot. I just think there's a lot of aspects to the beauty industry that are just kind of pandering to the vein in spirit and are not protecting the um, sacredness that vanity can have as a ritual between the person and their own inner essence and the divine creator. So, but that's a soapbox that I'll get on later. Um, It'll be a constant running theme throughout my (laughs) podcast, so you'll hear it a lot. Um, So vanity itself is is a business, my business, Vanity Makeup and Skin. We focus on the results-driven treatments. Um, Retail is a huge part of my business. I do love cleansers. I have a cleanser for every skin type, every, um, whether you like it to foam, whether you like it to cream, whether you like it to be an oil cleanser or a water-based cleanser, uh, every single thing that, um, I listen to what your skin, what you, what you like as a consumer. And more importantly, I listen to what your skin is telling me on the treatment table. Um, retail is a really big part of my business in April during the pandemic. It was interesting running my reports because we were completely shut down as personal services in the state of Washington. We were not allowed to, um, we were considered non-essential by our governor and we were shut down completely. But I still managed to, uh, to pay my expenses and then some based on retail. And I wondered when I ran a report at the end of the month, 
this is amazing. How did I make this much money in retail this month? And I looked and I had 23 new clients that were never in before to see me on the treatment table, but who just had been following me online on social media and who wanted to feel, to get my opinion on their skin with regard to what, you know, was happening underneath the surface. They might've been, um, you know, introverts, they didn't want, they don't want anybody to touch them. There's a variety of reasons that people might not feel it could be a budget issue where they can't come in afford to get a treatment. Why would I ever turn these people away? Their, their beauty dollar is just as valuable. And, um, I can look at your skin and talk about your diet and about, you know, how you speak to yourself and talk about your, your spirit and your life. And I can do that virtually. So I really did open up a virtual part of my business that kind of took off in, and it really has been a great eye opener about, um, how adaptable small business owners can be. I was very excited to get back into the treatment room though, and, um, just get back to my products and my, my clients. So the earliest, uh, mention of cleansers, uh, was dated to around 2000 BC, which are referenced on a Sumerian clay tablet. Sumerians as a people used ashes and water to cleanse themselves, which is so cool because volcanic ash is one of the very widely and most popular uh, ingredients now to, um, they have the entire lava clay masks that pull impurities from the pore and allow it to be sloughed off through exfoliation after the mask. As the mask dries, it pulls those impurities that are trapped inside the hair follicle to the surface, and they can be removed. If you think about the Sumerians in 2000 BC were doing these same things and literally probably taking ash off the ground from the volcano in front of them and putting it on their face and rubbing it and using water to you know make the paste and put it in and let it dry, that to me is just so freaking amazing that now here I am, you know, thousands of years later, selling a red lava clay mask um, to my clients who are struggling with maskne as a result of wearing the masks and getting the breakouts underneath their facial coverings because their skin, their their skin is moist all the time from breathing their own air underneath the mask. So I just think that the more every time I think about these little beauty rituals and I think, oh, I wonder where this came from and I research it, my mind is really blown away by the stuff that we find out that we just kind of take for granted, that we think, oh, aren't we cool as humans? We've just developed these things. Yeah, we are very cool as humans and we've been doing it since, you know, for thousands of years and we should really try to respect some of those ancient traditions instead of trying to look like Stepford wives like we are all starting to look now but again I'll get off that soapbox I will just it's literally ingrained in me to talk about oh um so cleansers are now categorized by skin type um oily dry sensitive or combination skin and then your cleansers are you go to a professional which is the the best way to to do it rather than going through the aisles of a drugstore and picking out a cleanser for yourself um, 
you may waste a lot of money. There are some good drugstore and department store cleansers, but you might waste a lot of money as a consumer finding something that you think is going to work based on the marketing stuff on the outside or how the box looks or, oh, that looks like a sexy product because it's red and you don't know anything about what it actually does. So the benefit of, of utilizing a skincare professional and asking their opinion on what kind of cleanser each what kind of product on whatever part of your beauty routine you are having problems um, addressing, getting a professional opinion to get really down and deep and ask those questions about your skin that you may not even think about, like how much water do you drink and do you take a vitamin C supplement and do you have any um, issues with uh, gluten? Do you? I mean, I can take a, a look at one person and realize that their cheeks that they've gotten a gluten intolerance or a dairy intolerance just by how their their breakout pattern might be on their cheeks. It really is a a science, and there is a reason we go to school and and learn these things. And you guessing in the department store, you might hit a good product that works for you, or something that you see on social media, as you can click on and you get all of your information from your friends. I really, really do re encourage you to reach out to an esthetician and find out what would be a good cleanser for you based on your skin type. Um, soap itself was a huge advancement in skincare. As saponification as a process was discovered, it was originally discovered near um, uh, Mount Sapo. And it was from ashes from wood fires mixed with animal fats. And these were the Sumerians that recorded this earliest discovery. And then the English people um, really kind of specified and developed the first wrapped soap bar in 1884 for commercial use. Um, and now it's just a widely, I mean, there's a million types of soap. There's a million types of bar soap. There's a million types of soap, period. When choosing a bar soap, you really want to pay attention to whether it's face versus body. Um, the first bar soaps dissolved unwanted oils, but they were really also really harsh um, in the way they worked on the skin, and they removed a lot of the natural lipids that we want on the skin to keep the less harmful um, you know, elements away from our skin and just from an overall anti-aging purpose if your if your lipids on the outside of your skin are not reproducing in a balanced way your skin barrier if it's compromised the lipids and the oils try to overcompensate from them for themselves and then we kind of get ourselves in this vicious cycle where nothing is regulated properly according to our own body and skin level and everybody has a a, a unique um way that their skin handles the elements and handles product that puts that's put on top of it topically and it, everybody has their own unique way of processing what happens underneath the epidermis in the dermal and the subcutaneous layers and that's all widely um, affected by diet so a lot of the dietary issues that you have in your gut you can also see I can see as a professional on your skin so the figuring out whether or not you you need a face or a body soap um, is really important. There are some soaps that are uh, as they've you know advanced over time. Over time, you can get a soap that you can use for your body and your face, but it's not really very common. Your facial uh, pore structure is set up very different than the facial structure 
on your legs or your arms. So really uh, curtailing your products that you've purchased based on the different areas of how your skin um, handles itself is really important to kind of pay attention to. Um, my grandmother, Grandma Noakes, who owned my vanity, she um, was my maternal grandmother. Her name was Wilma Noakes. I talked about her mother, Irene, in my last episode. <clears throat> my Grandma Noakes, I remember looking at her and watching her do her beauty routines for hours and hours and hours and hours. After my grandpa died, my family moved in with her to help her take care of this big house um, in Utah in the country. And we, we, we were all just kind of there and um, running wild in the country. And we still, we, we just lived down the street anyway. So the fact that we were all living in the same house, our life really wasn't that different. But what was really different for me was watching my grandmother in her nighttime and her morning rituals that I had never really seen before when I lived down the street from her. She loved her beauty routines. It was so sacred for her. She had super dry skin, and she was very fair-skinned. Um, she had dark, dark hair, and I remember her using Pond's cold cream and Noxzema and witch hazel, and then she would stay in oatmeal baths for hours because she would so easily sunburn, even though she was she had olive, um, fair olive, but she had dark hair and light eyes. And I remember watching her slather this Pond's cold cream, which was the cream of the crop back in the 1970s. And I would watch her put this cold cream on, and that was how she, she hardly ever even used anything um, to exfoliate other than her hands and Noxzema and then taking these oatmeal baths. She would use witch hazel, which is a common ingredient used in treatment rooms today, um, just as a safe way to kind of tone and uh, take care of impurities on the skin from an acne standpoint or to balance the pH. But witch hazel can be very um, stripping for some people as well. So I'm sure looking back now as a 50-year-old, my grandma is deceased, but if I could pick a routine for her now, it would not include any of the ingredients that she was using as a professional. I'd probably still tell her to stay in the oatmeal baths, but I would not have her use very, very many medicinal things at all because she didn't need the medicines. She needed the soothing and the um, balanced microbiome on the outside of her skin. So I was thinking, okay, what's a product that I would choose for my grandma today? And the product that I would had picked out from her for her is um, by one of my brands that I carry at Vanity. It's called uh, Dermamed Solutions DM Skincare. And they are, I tell people, my clients, that they are a no-nonsense, no-frills, anti-aging brand. Their packaging is not sexy, but their price point is mid-range, and they, the products do what they say they're going to do. So from a clinical standpoint, they're my clinical anti-aging line. Um, I would pick for my grandmother from that line the Hydra Repair Mask, which um, I carry. It's $40 at my spa, and it has the consistency really weirdly when I picked this, um, of Noxzema and Pond's cold cream mixed together. And it kind of actually smells like that if you were to imagine it as well. Um, if she were alive today, that's what I would, I would, I would have her use as a mask. And then there is a cleanser that, uh, would have her focus on, which is called Botana cream cleanser. Cause she could double cleanse with that and remove her makeup and skip the, the Pond's, um, 
the pond's cold cream. And then I would just have her focus really on a lot of calming botanicals like chamomile. And then I would have her focus on um, the use of those antioxidants in cranberry and pomegranate. I would still let her, if she were my client, I can be sort of, I'm sp- so gentle with my client's spirits. And then I can see them post their routine or I can see them post themselves in a bikini at boat races in Tri-Cities and I'll send them a DM saying, I hope you're wearing sunscreen. So I can be very, <laughs> I can be very militant in their body care as well. Like wear sunscreen, where's your hat? Are you drinking water? Are you staying hydrated? I see you're drunk right now. Are you making good choices with your skin? I don't care how much you hoe out, but make good choices with your skin. <laughs> Sorry, that just got off on a, I got off on a tangent there, but for my grandmother, goodness, I need to repent after that whole sentence. Now I'm talking about my grandmother. My grandmother, she was so perfect. Grandmother, I'm very sorry. Um, I would choose, I would let her keep the the oats because I feel like oats are um, something that, again, is still really widely used today. And it obviously was very calming and, and still gave her a gentle exfoliation when she did it in the bath. And, it, and um, oat milk is something that will really soothe and calm irritated skin that is having some sort of an inflamed reaction on the surface. Um, So there are really no ghost stories, no no ghost stories to tell at this time um, other than talking about my grandmother and how I am imagining developing a skincare um, regimen for her. And just knowing that as I look in her vanity every day doing my own skincare routine, which I don't really use her vanity for skincare routine. I use her vanity for almost like an altar. I've got candles on there. I've got rocks and pictures and all the things that are really kind of important to me spiritually that I've picked up along the way. And I look in the mirror if I were to look at and and just know that my grandmother is with me every single day. So that's as witchy as I'm going to get today, other than um, having to go home and apologize to my grandmother for um, including her in the same uh, sentence as I did Tri-Cities Boat Races. And if you've been to boat races in Tri-Cities, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'll just leave it at that. I mean, yeah, that, yes, yes. Next time um, on the Sacred Flesh, we're going to go into the different rituals for cleansing different types of skin, whether oily, dry. Today, we kind of um, focused on the sensitive um, client with my grandmother being a sensitive skin client, but we're going to delve into that further. So I'm going to start with sensitive skin and obviously oily, dry, sensitive, and combination skin. We'll discuss those um, next time and we'll start with sensitive skin clients and just to how um, our skin sensitivities have been affected by... um, the regions that we live and the way we live on the earth and um, the climate and where we are with regard to being exposed to the elements and how that has kind of, um, as our, as our climate has changed and as our, um, as the earth has changed, it will have indeniably um, changed the way human beings care for their skin to make sure that their skin, which is protecting their insides is exposed and protected from the outside. So with that, I will tell you thank you so much for joining me um, on The Sacred Flesh, which is a 
beauty podcast with a ghostly twist. And I look forward to talking to you guys next time. I can be reached at Vanity Makeup and Skin dot uh, com www.vanitymakeupandskin.com and my email address is vanitybylee l-e-i-g-h at yahoo.com and I just want to encourage anybody who might be listening if you have a problem and you want to reach out to me about a specific skin issue the virtual consult is something that I really feel passionate about for a lot of people who may have social phobias who aren't able to go out or who may have economic issues that can't come out and um, get an actual treatment. I still am absolutely open and, and able to serve you. So thank you so much again and stay witchy. This episode is sponsored by Burn Butter. Burn Butter is an all-natural, low-carb, keto-friendly product created to help you consume healthy fats when you need them the most. You can add it to your coffee. You can add it to your foods. You can add it to your snacks and your smoothies. You can even consume it straight out of the pouch. It's a new way to add healthy fats in your diet without making any big adjustments. You can find them on social media at Burn Butters and at burnbutter.com. We're all spending more time at home, and we know you and your family want to be comfortable. Let the Furniture Outpost serve your needs. Locally owned and located in the heart of Spokane's Monroe Business District, the Furniture Outpost is there for your furniture needs. Sofas and love seats, sectionals, dining room, bedroom sets, and mattresses. And so much more. No matter what you're looking for, they have it. Financing is a breeze with the Furniture Outpost. Come see them at 2801 North Monroe Street. This podcast was produced and edited by Speak Spokane.